0: Hello friends and welcome on into episode 15 of the SCO Show. My name is Mark Schofield, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation. And episode 15 of the SCO Show is a week two glorious victory show as the New England Patriots dismantle the Miami Dolphins down in South Beach 43-0. to We're going to have the great, again for the second week in a row, the also great and some of the bad, as well as taking the game and some game balls to give out. Now, I do sort of have to start at the outset with a tiny bit of an apology. This show dropping a little bit later on Monday morning than usual, and I have a good reason for that. Last night, your boy and his dad were at the Game of Thrones live concert experience out at Jiffy Lube Center out in Bristol, Virginia. Those of you that have followed me over from Locked On Patriots know that I am a nerd as well as a football writer and a former lawyer i'm a man of many hats so to speak and game of thrones was something i loved the books the show and the music and arguably the last the best part of the final season was the music and so got a chance to go to the live concert experience last night it was a fantastic show it was almost a religious experience in a a sense for a cathartic experience for many of the fans it was amazing not spoiling much Again, if you haven't seen the show, you're probably not going to go into it now. I mean, if you have seen the show, you're probably going to know what I'm talking about. They do sort of the music in chronological order through the series. And they have like video screens and they're playing scenes from the the show. When they played the music from the Night King episode, the Battle of Winterfell, the amount of people that left after that ended because they didn't want to see what was coming next. Sort of blew my mind, but it was a a fantastic show. It's the start of the tour. Uh, I know they've got tour dates across the country over the next coming weeks and months. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, I highly, highly recommend it. It was a fantastic, fantastic experience. But as a result, between that and coaching little league on Sunday, I got a chance to watch the Pats game, formalize my thoughts, and then basically head out the door for the next eight hours. From little league into the concert, got home after midnight. It was time to put myself down for a couple of hours and then wake up, hit the record button here in the podcast. So this show is coming out a little bit later. Also, a couple of things dropped over the weekend on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. We had episode one of Pat's Pulpit Radio we- Rewind, which is going to be a, a sort of clip, best of type thing that we're going to drop on Saturday mornings, put together all the cool stuff we did across the podcast network the week prior, as well as, you know, I'll drop in some news and notes, probably even mention some college games to watch some players to scout It's going to be kind of similar to the uh, Sunday morning tailgate show I used to do on Locked Up Patriots, but with more stuff from across the network. Also, we're going to start doing instant reaction shows after the game, like shortly after they drop on Sunday, Sunday nights. I know uh, Pat Lane, Ryan Spagnoli, they dropped a show. I hope you check that out as well. Please do mash that subscribe button. But enough about all the other stuff. Let's talk Sunday down in South Beach. And As I alluded to, we're going to do another just like last week great, also great, and bad. You know, these shows usually are the good, the great, the good, and the bad if they win, the good, the bad, and the ugly if they lose. But the last two victories have been so dominant in a sense that it's great, it's also great. I want to start with a sequence. Normally, I sort of walk you through things almost in chronological order. Hey, kind of like this concert I saw last night. But I want to start with a sequence. In the third quarter that I think encapsulated not just this game, but what this Patriots team might become. In this game, into the second half, sort of had the feel like it might have been, strangely enough, one of those weird games down in Miami. Guys were dropping. We're going to talk about injuries a little bit later. It was 13-0 at the half. It felt like it should have been more. Obviously you had a missed field goal, you had a missed PAT, like it just it, it felt like this game could have been more. But there was a sequence that really sort of stood out to me. It, it it's when it's 16-0 New England. Ghost just hit a 28-yarder and even that was an underwhelming moment because Brady, Tom Brady had Antonio Brown open on a vertical route in the end zone, and he underthrew it and got broken up. And we're going to talk about the Brady-Brown connection later. So it's 16-0. And you again, you have that sort of, okay, this game's probably in hand, but I'd like it to be a better, I'd like them to have a bigger lead right now. Miami takes over first and 10 with 8.45 left in the third quarter. It's their seventh drive of the game. Miami runs play action. The Patriots have basically an all-out blitz. They send both Landon Roberts and Donta Hightower in the two A-gaps. Danny Shelton, who has been getting pressure to this point and getting good push in the pocket to this point all day long, immediately hits the center with a swim move, gets in the pocket almost as Fitzpatrick is coming out of the play action fake, gets a couple of hands on him. Fitzpatrick tries to escape. Landon Roberts sort of finishes it off. Sack loss of seven. So now it brings up second and seventeen. Now on the second seventeen, Miami tries to run the ball. They run left side. Butler again with similar to Shelton, who had been moving the pocket, getting pushing penetration on the interior all game long. He gets a nice tackle on this run to the outside, to the edge, to his right, along with Patrick Chun, who helps sort of clean this up. It's just a gain of three, but it's a very sort of sound, fundamental-type play. Chun gets dinged on the play, but he was back into the game a little bit later. So now it brings up third and 14. Miami goes with that pump swing screen to a receiver in the flat, and they want to throw a vertical route to one of the other two receivers. Is that play we see a ton where... You have two of the receivers released vertically. They look like they're going to block. Then they go. They throw the you know, swing screen a couple of times early in the game to set you up for it. Patriots don't bite at all. So Fitzpatrick is forced to just, all right, I guess I'll just check it down anyway. So he checks it down to Grant, who was the receiver on the swing screen, and he goes for a two-yard gain, and they're forced to punt. Patriots take over, first and 10. Their first run in play, Brady the center. They go inside. Sonny Michelle plus three. James Devlin. Again, we could do oats to Devlin all season long here. Longtime followers of my work know how I feel about him. Fantastic lead block from James Devlin on the linebacker plus three. Second and seven, Sonny Michelle plus 12. They come out Brady under center, 21 personnel, two backs, tight end, two wide receivers. They motion Julian Edelman to the right, and it's another great lead block by James Devlin, clearing the way for Sonny Michelle. Now they bring. The passing element to this drive. Again, this is I'm walking you through these plays in order. It's first and 10. They put Brady under center. And this time he hits Matt Lacoste for a 23-yard gain. And astute followers of the Patriots might have recognized that play. It's a very similar design to the one they started, the Haas-wide-juke drive within Super Bowl 53, where they come out with play action. The tight end is alone on the right side. They've got two receivers in a slot to the left. And he just sort of leaks out. Bends out towards the sideline a bit. Play action, fakes the block, releases. He's wide open. Gain of 23. First and 10 on the next play. Burkhead's now in the game. Brady under center. They run off right tackle off of his, for a gain of 12. It's a split zone look. They've got the tight end, Ryan Izzo, now in a wing to the right. So he blocks across the formation, seals out, kicks out the backside defensive end. it with an easy 12-yard gain. Nobody touched him before he was into the second level. First and 10 next play. They go slant flat, Gordon on the slant, Dorsett on the flat route. Flat route's wide open. Dorsett catches it, runs down to the one, gets knocked out of bounds or so. Called back. OPI on Josh Gordon. Under a review, Brian Flores took advantage of the new rule. Threw the challenge flag. It's ruled offensive pass interference. So now the Patriots face a first and 20. Brady hits Edelman on an easy throw on an inside breaking route. Patriots go three wide receivers to the left. Edelman's the inside guy, the guy we call number three. Easy throw, easy catch, plus 11. I mean, plus 18 out of 11 personnel. Gets it down to the two. About that range, maybe the five. You go Michelle, right edge, plus three. Tough run. The the one that I did want to note here, Matt Lacoste, he was crack blocking to the inside. Kind of misses it, but Michelle has the speed to get to the edge. Now you get down at the first and goal at the four. Michelle runs right guard. They start. This is one of the things that they've been doing. We've often seen them short-yarded situations or down in the red zone near the goal line. They'll start with the running back in the backfield, and motion him out. Then lately what they've done is they start with the running back on the outside, then bring him back in to sort of get you, again, that pre-snap look at what the defense is doing. So they start him outside, they bring him back in, right guard plus three, he's ruled down at the one, it's reviewed, it's challenged, call up is upheld. Second and goal at the one, false start. So it's now second and goal at the six. Brady looks for Edelman. DPI flag on Eric Rowe. First and goal at the one. Brady sneaks a touchdown. That sequence, I thought. And again, it's against the Miami Dolphins, so you do take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But it just showed the potential of this team. An easy three and out on defense where it looked like you knew exactly what you were doing. You like it. You looked like, as a team, you knew exactly what they were doing. You get pressure from guys like Shelton and Butler. You get penetration from those guys. Disciplined in the secondary. You're not falling for these fake screen, pump-and-go type plays. And then on offense, you go right down the field. You even get an OPI and a false start down in the red zone, and you overcome that with ease. And you cap it off with the Brady touchdown. That sequence, to me, sort of told the story of the day in my mind. The team looked fantastic pretty much throughout the second half and and bits and spurts in the first half, which we'll get to in a minute, but for me, that sort of stands out. Up next, we're going to talk about some of the other great stuff we saw in a little bit later, some of the bad stuff we at least have to mention. That's ahead on this Glorious Victory Week 2 edition installment of the Scope Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on this Week 2 Glorious Victory edition of the SCO show. And we're going to talk about some of the other great stuff. I think it is worth it to sort of start with some top line numbers from this defense and then sort of get into a couple of individual plays that I did want to highlight. But at the outset, Miami quarterbacks yesterday, Josh Rose and Ryan Fitzpatrick combined for 18 of 39 for 142 yards. They were sacked seven times. Four interceptions. Josh Rosen finished the day with a QBR of 4.8. Ryan Fitzpatrick finished the day with a QBR of 3.1. Those are not great numbers in terms of the running game. And we thought on this show, elsewhere, everybody sort of expected Miami is going to try to sort of establish the run, grind this game out. Miami ball carriers, and this includes Ryan Fitzpatrick, who did have a six yard gain, one carry for six yards, 15 carries, 42 yards. That's less than three yards a carry. You can't establish the run doing that. Now, of course, you're getting behind. Uh, you know, it's 23 nothing at the end of the third quarter. You're going to have to throw the ball. You're turned into a one dimensional team. But the Patriots, they stopped the run. The interceptions, the four interceptions, two of which were a pick six. This defense is fantastic. And to me, a lot of the attention, and look, rightfully so, this secondary, I don't want to throw words like legendary around, but the potential is there for this to be just an incredible group. And the secondary had another great game. four interceptions, the Gilmore pick six, the Collins pick six, which was, you know, sort of a, Football Follies type of play where it gets tipped into his hands. The McCourty pick, I think, was a big one because you had Gilmore in perfect position underneath to flex it. McCourty comes down with the pick. I think the job that this front is doing, seven sacks is just part of the story, but you're seeing the push by guys up front. You're seeing, for example... Uh, Miami's sixth drive of the game. This was their first possession of, and this was the Gilmore t- Gilmore tip and pick by DMC. The first play, though, first and 10 on their own 15 at twelve fifty one. after, by the way, a great directional punt by Bailey, the rookie punter with fantastic coverage downfield by uh, Matthew Slater. Fitzpatrick throws an incompletion. It's tipped at the line of scrimmage. It's tipped by John Simon, who comes with a bull rush right on the right guard, Drives the right guard back into Fitzpatrick's lap and then deflects it. So you're getting those push-effort type plays from him. You're getting, like I said, Shelton with the sack. Butler with some pressure earlier in the game. You know, this defense looks fantastic. Butler, earlier in the game in the second quarter, Miami's fourth drive, it was a third and four play. It's 7 nothing New England. This was after Ghost missed the field goal. And so, look, you are you give them good field position by missing that field goal. It's a third and four play. Butler works through a double team, gets his arm up, flex a pass at the line of scrimmage, and then you get a shanked punt. And so, this defense is fantastic, and it starts with the guys up front. Guys like Shelton. Guys like Simon. Guys like Butler. You had Chase Winovich sort of get in with a sack. Actually, a sack and a half he was credited for in this game. Again, seven sacks. Shelton had one. Simon had one. Michael Bennett had one. Winovich had a sack and a half. Adam Butler had two. Jamie Collins half a sack on that Winovich sack. It starts with the guys up front. And I know there was that huge debate this preseason, this summer, on football Twitter. What matters more coverage or pass rush, and it was Belichick in a press conference answer that I clipped and put out on the timeline that said they have to work together. This game was a tremendous example of that, working together in terms of coverage and pass rush to get to the interceptions, to get the sacks. It all works together, and it clicked for this defense on Sunday against the Dolphins. Some other individual stuff from the defense that I did want to mention. J.C. Jackson had a fantastic breakup on a nine ball, again, in the second quarter. Just a few plays prior to that uh, play highlighted by Adam Butler. I was very impressed by that. Jonathan Jones on a crossing route to Grant had a fantastic pass breakup. A third and seven, again, late in the first half. Jason McCordy with a f- tremendous tackle uh, to prevent them from at least converting a third down situation. The two interceptions, the two pick sixes, I mentioned those. It was just a phenomenal day on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, I could talk about James Devlin all out for the next hour if I felt like it. And I do feel like it, but I can't because you guys would. I know. I, I You guys would get tired of it. I'm more and more convinced that James Devlin is – one of the many unsung heroes of this latest iteration of the Patriots offense. He means so much to what they do in the run game. And if you're a young running back like Sony Michelle, who again is a tremendous talent, but having a guy like that to sort of help guide you and pave the way and lead the way for you is a tremendous benefit for you. And so... I thought James Devlin was fantastic. Obviously, a lot of the attention was placed on the Brady and Antonio Brown stuff. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I do think that you know, there was a discussion in the ScoShow Slack channel that Brown has worked his way immediately into the Brady Circle of Trust. And you saw that on the touchdown. And that's a back shoulder throw on yes, a horse concept. But it's a back shoulder throw. He stays to, on the vertical because the middle of the field is closed. It looked to be a cover one look, safety in the middle of the field. And Brady puts it back shoulder. And that's something that takes time and reps to get down. And you heard Ian Eagle, Dan Fouts talk about how Brown was staying late working with Stidham to work on routes. But it's one thing to do it with the backup. It's another thing to have the feel for that with the starter in a game, in a live game situation. And so I thought that was fantastic. It was great to see that. Brady, I think, very unsettled. Perhaps at times early in the game, as they were sort of figuring some things out. Again, wind went down. We'll talk about that. But really sort of settled into this game, into the second quarter, and into the second half. Again, I don't think anybody can sort of question the arm strength, the velocity, the wet noodle stuff. I I think we can put that aside, at least for the next couple of weeks. Because I think he looks great right now. And interestingly enough... For all the talk about Brady being a dink and dunk quarterback, you look at the top five passers right now through two weeks in terms of air yards per attempt. It's Dak, it's Mahomes, it's Lamar, it's Tom Brady. He's there number four. I think 9.4, 9.5 air yards per attempt. This offense has a vertical element to it. And obviously, with Josh Gordon and now Antonio Brown in the mix, you can do that. And so I'm very impressed with the passing game. I'm very impressed with Jake Bailey. You know, you look at Bailey, part of the reason that when we were scouting him in the offseason, when we were looking at him, hang time was part of it. Three punch yesterday for 144 yards. All three inside the 20. That's a pretty good afternoon. And the directional punt that he had. Directional punting is like that sort of next wave. When, when studying punting, you know, in the old days, it was like, ooh, how far can you punt it? What was his longest punt? And then people got into hang time. It's like, oh, the longer the ball is in the air, the better the coverage is going to be. The next sort of wave is sort of that directional punting stuff. Because when you can angle it to where the returner now has only one way to go because he's pinned against the sideline, that's even more impressive. And that directional punt really sort of stood out to me. So those are some of the great things. Let's talk about a couple of the bad things before we go. The injuries are, yes, a concern. We saw guys get dinged. Win being the biggest one. Between Cannon being out and Win now, Patriots are playing with some backup tackles. And there was a request from the timeline to get Brandon Thorne back on. I'm going to try to get him back on, not for this week, maybe for next week because we got two great guys lined up for this week, which I'll mention in a second. So you saw Brady get sacked a couple of times, get pressured a couple of times. Shaq Mason got beat on a bull rush runs and dropped into Brady's lap. So the injuries, you're now your starting two tackles are out. You're shuffling guys around on the offensive line a little bit. Offensive line was shaky. And we got we got a Jets team coming to Gillette that you know we'll see what they do tonight against the Browns, but they really got after Josh Allen in their season opener. They beat him up a bit. And so that's going to be something to watch over the next coming days. The, the offensive line, the health of the offensive line, it's now 9.40 on Monday morning. Haven't heard anything on Isaiah Wynn. So that's a little unnerved. But still, Patriots are able to get it done, even with all the shuffling along the offensive line. Steven Gostowski. I don't want to say that we have a ghost problem yet, but I think ghost has a Miami problem. You know, he missed a field goal, missed a PAT, missed two PATs. But Dan found sort of pointed out on the broadcast, and this was after the miss of the field goal, that he was like 19 of 26 or 73% in Miami, but he's an 87% kicker everywhere else. And so, it's unnerving, he seems shaky, but I'm chalking that up to a Miami thing, and the Miami thing is done. The heat, the humidity, the house of horrors, unless Miami pulls off some ridiculous comeback, we're not seeing the Dolphins down in Miami again this season. And so, we got that to be thankful for. Get that going for us, which is nice. But I think Ghost has a Miami problem more than the Patriots have a Ghost problem. Let's talk about the Antonio Brown targets, okay? Because I saw some of the national talking heads, not going to mention any names, start saying that, oh, if you're Julian Edelman, how would you feel? You're coming off a Super Bowl MVP, and they bring Antonio Brown in, and he gets twice the targets you do. I know some people were sort of wondering, are they really forcing the ball to Antonio Brown? Is this going to hurt guys like, say, Josh Gordon, who only had two catches on five targets? I don't want to read anything into it. I don't want to speculate anything on that. Certainly not going to get into the heads of guys that seem to be competitors that want to win Super Bowls. I mean, I saw a lot of comments in response to a national media head talking about how Julian Edelman would feel. And they, most of the comments were of the, he's going to feel great with another Super Bowl right on his hand variety. And I think Edelman would probably tell you that. Super competitive guy. I do think that there was an effort to sort of get Brady and Brown on the same page in a game-type environment. There were some comments in the Scotia Slack channel that this game at times felt like a preseason game, and it may have been in a sense. You're trying to get your new wide receiver and your quarterback on the same page. So they threw a lot of targets his way. But I do want to remind people that over his time in New England, Tom Brady's favorite receiver has been the open receiver. And on a lot of these plays, it wasn't that he was forcing throws into coverage. It was that this was the right read. You know, slant flats, seam routes. These were the right reads that he was making. The near touchdown, the one that should have been a touchdown, Brown was wide open, ran a fantastic route against Eric Rowe, beat the press. Gut behind him, Brady puts some air under it. It puts it towards the back corner of the end zone, and that's six. And so we're talking about how instead of wondering if they're forcing him targets, we're talking about Antonio Brown going five of five catches for maybe doing some rough math on the top of my head seventy yards and two touchdowns in his debut on eight targets. And I think if you would have if you would have asked anybody on. Say Thursday afternoon, hey, Antonio Brown's going to play. He's going to get eight targets, four catches, 56 and a touchdown in his debut with a lawn of 20. How are you going to feel about that? Most people, including some of these national media heads, now crushing it would probably say, this is fantastic. Belichick did it again. But since the Patriots won 43 to nothing and there's nothing else to talk about, we can talk about this. But if Brady makes a better throw on that one, again, we're talking eight targets, five touchdowns, 70 yards, two, two you know, eight targets, five catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. People will be losing their minds. People will be making 19-0 and comments. And people are making Bill Barnwell's out with it now, saying 16-0. and And so I'm not worried about the Antonio Brown target situation right now. I know that there are some that wonder, you know, is, is, is Gordon going to get set? No, these guys want to win. I would not worry about that at all. And so Relax. Look, you're 2-0. and Now you've got the Jets. We'll see what Trevor Simeon does tonight, if Donald can go. We've got a big one coming up in two weeks. I don't want to look past an opponent. Buffalo's 2-0. and We know what this defense did to the Patriots the past couple of games. Frustrated Tom Brady. So, two, two more divisional games to go. Then we get to October. But things look good right now. Let's close it out. Game balls, take of the game. Taking the game I thought was an easy one. It was a fantastic... Jessica Brand newly joined the Scosho Slack channel. Has been crushing it. She's fantastic. If I were you and you have been on the fence about joining the Scosho Slack channel, I would understand being on the fence or even not wanting to do it because of me. I get it. I'm a big boy. I got some, some thick skin. Some thick skin. But now that Jessica's in, you know, You get Jessica, you get John Lemarrakis, Andy Likens, Dave Archibald. Like it's just I could go on and on and on. Ian McDonald, you know, Chuck A, Mr. Pank, the, the people in there are fantastic. Jessica is fantastic. Dropping stats, dropping kicker knowledge all throughout the game, all week long, fantasy stuff as well. It's such a great group of people. Could not be happier with what they do. It sort of makes my job easier as well. But Jessica dropped this one. It was sort of a one-two punch with Andy and Jessica that I loved. Andy, so Miami has two Fitzpatricks, huh? Jessica, one from the Alabama of academics, the other from the Harvard of football. I thought that was a fantastic line, so that's our choice for this week's take of the game. Game balls, we're going to give one to Antonio Brown. Look, you come in, a lot of stuff going on, crazy offseason, you come in, you get one, should have had two touchdowns. I thought that was a nice performance. I'm going to give one to my boy James Devlin. I swear to God, I'm closer each day to just writing a book about him. My second book will be about James Devlin and Shaq Mason maybe. But I, I think the world of James Devlin cannot talk him up enough. And on the defensive side of the ball, Adam Butler, Danny Shelton, they get game balls. going to give one to Stephon Gilmore, the deflection, the, the, the pick six. I could, again, I could take the easy way out and say, oh, look, Game balls for everybody on the defensive side of the ball because they were that good. But this defense was fantastic. Um, But we'll go Butler, Shelton, Gilmore. Throw one in for McCourty too. Always impressed with the way he plays. But a fantastic defensive effort, a fantastic offensive effort. And now we're on to the New York Jets. And we're on to the rest of the week here at the QB, not the QB Sco show. That's my other podcast. The Eagles one. Which we're going to have some stuff to talk about with Carson Wentz. But for the week ahead on the SCO show, on Wednesday's show, Taylor Kyle is our first not only repeat guest, our first three-time guest. He's going to come on, we're going to talk. I'm going to ask him about the offensive line, some of the other stuff we saw against the Miami Dolphins. Then on Thursday's show, you know him as the co-host of the Stick to Football podcast, but he's also a big-time Jets guy, Mr. Connor Rogers from Bleacher Report. He's going to come on, talk about the Jets, talk about Sam Darnold being sick, Trevor Simeon, their quarterback, what happens tonight. Lots of stuff to talk about with Connor. So, another fantastic week. Make sure to like, subscribe, share around the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts, you can find us. We've got great shows coming all week long the Patriot Nation Podcast with Pat Lane, Ryan Spaggs, Alex Shane, Rich Hill with the Pat's Pulpit Podcast all week long. We have a locked schedule. We're going to have shows for you every day of the week. Something new, some. Patriots flavored ear candy for you so please do tell your friends until next time folks please enjoy the win enjoy being 2-0 and keep on blessing that Patriots Ray down in Foxborough